so we've been breaking down the big deal made by the Toronto Maple Leafs all morning long. Back on first up, Aaron Karolnik and Carlo Koliakovo. We had Chris Johnston on. Coco, you and I have been breaking it down. Your former teammate in Buffalo, Jake McCabe, now a Maple Leaf with Sam Lafferty coming aboard. Of course, O'Reilly and Nolachari as well. A couple of weeks ago, big moves by the Toronto Maple Leafs. How does Mike Kelly view them? He from the NHL Network, from Sport Logic, specializing in analytics. Kind enough to join us this morning. What's going on, Mike? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess the trade deadline was on Sunday, so that was a fun day. Um, Wait a minute. Then how did the, how did the Leafs make their deal yesterday? Then, if the trade deadline was Sunday, well, a lot of big ones Sunday yesterday too. But it, it, I always think about you know you guys and and Duffy and everyone on Friday. Um, you might need the llamas again because a lot of big names off the board already. <laughs> the llamas. I do hope they have yeah. some kind of plan in place. I'm sure there's oh, they something will. percolating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, the way things have been trending, not so good for Trade Center, but great if you're a fan of hockey. and Great, Mike, if you're a fan yeah. of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, these are big moves here. O'Reilly and Acharya, we know what they can bring. We've seen it. What do you think McCabe and Lafferty bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think they bring some of what Toronto uh, needs. I, I really like it. And you know what? I I haven't always said that about every move uh, made by the Leafs and, and certainly at the deadline and all that. But it's hard it's hard to to look at this and, and not see just, you know, solid upgrades uh, across the board. We we know what O'Reilly's been doing. Nolachari, I thought right away, um, sneaky, sneaky, good get as just a depth guy who's kind of disruptive. And, you know, Sam Lafferty's that as well. He's, he's really fast. Like, I'm talking probably top fifth percentile in the league in terms of just skating speed among forwards. Uh, it makes him good on the penalty kill. He's got some shorties this year. So just another luxury for Sheldon Keith to have at his disposal. Um, use him how he wants to. And obviously McCabe's the big one. And, you know, I, I was looking at this a few days ago of just who they could use on the blue line uh, and what they need and – Nick Jensen somebody I liked a lot in Washington. Uh, good puck recovery skills, get it out, those kind of things, as well as being good defensive. But Jake McCabe really fits, I think, what they need. And, you know, Carlo, you know this, obviously. You're, you're going into a playoff series. It's going to be Toronto-Tampa. And we know what Tampa wants to do to Toronto. I think the template to beat Toronto, um, if you're a coach, you're looking at that, the bottom-pairing defense and saying, let's hammer these guys. Let's, let's get up behind them and hammer them and make them turn the puck over. Um, playoffs years past, critical moments. There have been those turnovers that have led to goals against that have really bit Toronto. And McCabe does not turn the puck over. He's physical. Uh, He makes a good first pass. He can get it out. Checks a lot of really important boxes, I think. Mike, does the concern of Jake McCabe being a left-handed shot really hurt the Maple Leafs here? Because you would have thought that maybe the right-handed a shot defenseman would have been something they would have desired, but he's a guy that's shown that can play both sides. But the fact that he's not actually right-handed, do you think that limits their, you know, what it is that they were trying to accomplish? Um, so, you know, like I said, when I was looking at this, that's why I kind of keyed on Jensen um, being a righty. I, I don't think so, though. Like Brody can play both sides, McCabe both sides. Um, Apples, you know, if you could kind of have your, your pick in a, a magical world here, um, they'd probably make Jake McCabe a right shot, but uh, I don't think it really matters that much. That's fair. That's fair. What about Lafferty, and where do you think he fits? Is he going to be a third-line guy? You know, Is he going to be used as a center or a winger? Where do you think is his best fit for, with this Maple Leafs group? 
Um, so I'm just kind of following along on the cap implications and where things sit now. I think the Leafs have to still make another move or two to get this all working right. And yeah, it, it depends if they move somebody out. If they move out a roster player, Kerfoot's been rumored or Engvall or whatever it is, that probably all comes into picture a little clear. Um, I think they're pretty set down the middle with, with the Chari and, and Camp and O'Reilly and Matthews. And I mean, you got Tavares on the wing already. Mm-hmm. Lafferty could play the fourth line center role, sure. Um, I don't know how much wing he's played, but um, again, it gives Sheldon Keefe options. And I think, you know, I've talked to coaches in the past, and that word comes up all the time like options. It's great to have options. And, mm-hmm. and Sheldon Keefe's got. You know, more than you can probably uh, dream about. We heard him talk when they got O'Reilly and Achari, and it's just having trouble sleeping, trying to think about all the different ways they could use these guys. So uh, sleep will be harder to come by now. Our guest is Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. The McCabe Lafferty trade, Mike, wasn't that debated as far as the assets given up by the Toronto Maple Leafs to bring those guys in, but the Tanner Janot trade made the day before certainly was. I think everybody around the hockey world was surprised with how much Tampa gave up to bring him in. Do you have a different viewpoint on Janot considering what he's done this year versus last season where he was much better? I do. Um, because I don't think it's as clear-cut as saying he was so much better last season. Uh, obviously, if you look at the numbers, right, he had, I think, 24 goals. Um, and I was looking at this the other day, just going through 56 games last year and where he was at this year through 56, uh, which is where he is. And, yeah, it goes from 18 goals to five. All right? His shooting percentage goes from, you know, 20-something percent to uh, single digits. He's still getting to the front of the net, which is where he's going to score his goals at the same rate. He's still shooting the puck at the same rate. Uh, he was off by two shots. And all the things that I think really matter for Julian Breezebois, John Cooper, his puck recovery skills, his battle skills, um, his disruptive ability, playing that role that he can play so well, that power forward role, it's as good or better than last year. So I'm not worried about Tanner's, you know, at all. And if you follow Tampa Bay, I don't think it should be shocking what they gave no. up to get him. Um, look at what they've done in the past. They've given up multiple first-rounders for players that you're like, why? And yeah. then you watch them win cups and get to cup <laughs> finals. They've been three years in a row. <laughs> Julian Breezebois said it, I think, yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, talking about draft picks and the value of them and how they don't bring any value to this team right now. They have a window with star players in their primes We're trying to win cups. And it's not like this is just a, a template that we're wondering if it'll work. They've been to three straight cup finals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you give it up. You get Tanner Janot. I look at that bottom six now. Colton, Paul, Janot, Perry, Belmar, Maroon. Again, what do you think you're trying to do when you're playing Toronto in the first round? Those guys are going to be dumping and trying to drill guys and cause turnovers and being disruptive. And Janot, maybe the best guy out there you could find to help them do that. Well, I'm glad you talked about uh, Toronto-Tampa Bay because I'd love for you to analyze this matchup now. You've seen the Maple Leafs make improvements. They lose in Game 7 last year. How much closer have the Maple Leafs come to beating a Tampa team in a seven-game series? I, th- I think they're closer. And, look, it was a one-goal it was a one goal loss in Game 7, right? It doesn't get any closer than that to begin with. But um, I, I'm going to go deeper into this before we get to the playoffs. I'm just starting to kind of look – at this matchup, 
I'm, here's what I'm really interested in. So I talked about Toronto and, and you know, forcing guys into turnovers because the Leafs want to make a play almost all the time, right, with the puck, and, and sometimes there's not that time to do it. They don't love going off the glass and out. I think teams have exploited that a bit in the past. If you look at Tampa Bay, and this surprised me when I first saw this, but I, I look at um, goals against and chances against off of turnovers. So, you know, within five seconds of a turnover, how many chances and goals are you giving up? And Anaheim's given up the most goals. That doesn't surprise anyone. Columbus, the second most. Tampa's tied with Columbus for the second most. Turnovers within five seconds, uh, or sorry, goals against within five seconds of a turnover. I start watching them. A lot of these are on the walls. A lot of these are on the goal line. I think Toronto's recipe for success might be similar to Tampa's, of winning those wall battles, winning pucks behind the net, getting it out in front for those quick looks. Um, and so you see Toronto go out and get Nola Chari and a fast Sam Lafferty who can play physical. And you see Tampa go out and get Tanner you know, like the star power is there on both sides. We all know that. I, I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, this is all going to saw itself off. And then you get to the bottom six and the bottom pairing defense. And that's where we're seeing these two teams start to uh, make sure that they're as sound there as they can be. Um, because I, I won't be surprised given how close this series should be. If those critical plays that, that I just talked about are ones that you end up looking back on and being like, yep, yeah, that's how that goal was scored. And that's how that game ended. Mike, we saw McDavid score twice last night. The Oilers lose 3-2 to the Boston Bruins. No shame in that. The Oilers taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night at home. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on how you believe that Edmonton should proceed here ahead of the deadline. Do they need a bona fide top four D-man, or do you think maybe they can get through the playoffs in the West, not exactly the most imposing conference, without a big addition ahead of the deadline? Yeah, I think they need that defenseman. Um, I've said it all along. I think Jacob Chikrin is the perfect fit in the left side. You put him behind Darnell Nurse, you slide Brett Kulak down. Um, you got Broberg, who's played really well, and maybe that's been part of the decision of, of why they haven't done it or might not do it. Um, but I think in addition to getting a guy like Chikrin, who is such a great skater and, su- and produces a lot of offense and, and is not terrible defensively, if people think that, um, is that it alleviates some pressure from Darnell Nurse offensively and, and overall. You'll probably get more out of Darnell at the same time if you do something like that. So I said that I exact think, same thing last week, Mike. I said, I said, do you want to you want to improve your defense? Get Nick, get Darnell Nurse to play better and focus just on playing defense. Go get somebody that can help alleviate just taking the offensive pressure away from him because he's at his best when he's beating up guys in front of the net, being hard to play against, and mm-hmm. just just focusing on defense. I just feel like the contract and him having to produce at that rate might be catching up to him. He's been asked to do a ton, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm glad that you agree, um, and I'm with you on that. So, that's what I like. I, I don't. I saw on Twitter once. I think it was Shohei Otani, right? Someone met a tweet of like, you know, Otani pitches eight scoreless innings and hits three home runs, and the Angels lose six to two or whatever. Um, it's kind of like the McDavid. It's like, oh, he scores four points, and <laughs> you know they lose. Um, and the other thing, you know, somebody put this to me, and I thought it was so well said. We're talking about the cost of of, of acquiring players if you're the Oilers and what you need to do in a, a pretty open West. Um, and making a run at this thing. And they said, you know, what's the cost of not doing it? Maybe that's greater. Because yeah, McDavid and Price Settle, they're in, what, years seven, eight, nine? these guys. Um, they're in their primes. This team is pretty capable. Stuart Skinner, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be their guy. It's not going to be Campbell, and he, he's been more consistent. What's the cost of not 
putting your chips in and watching the prime of these players just waste away. Oh, yeah. it, it's significant. It, it's definitely significant. McDavid's on pace for 67 goals and 154 points. You better go out and get this guy a team, man. If I'm McDavid, I'm like rolling into Ken Holland's office every single day like, what are you doing? Yeah. Go get us players, dude. Do you see what Tampa Bay and Toronto, who are playing each other in the first round, are giving up when it comes to draft capital? What is the Edmonton Oilers doing in a wide-open West? Their draft picks for the next two well, years shouldn't mean anything for that Exactly, group. And, and I think you just hit it on the head there, the wide-open West, where literally it's probably nine teams who could win the West. I don't think anyone would be surprised. But there's only one team that has Connor McDavid on it. And we saw what those guys did last year, McDavid and Drysaddle in the playoffs. And I don't really see a reason in which they won't be able to do it again. But the goaltending, I mean, you mentioned it, Mike. I mean, Skinner, Campbell. Oh, man, that Campbell contract just looks horrendous right now. I mean, that's yep. got to be a, a major concern. It's not that they can go out and trade for UC Soros. So, really, the only way that they can figure out something to do there is improving the D, which you hope could also improve the way that they goaltend, right? Yep, and the thing about the playoffs in the West, too, like I think Colorado's really starting to establish itself again right. as the player there, so, you know, that's scary. But come out of your division, you're in the conference final. That's the way that the playoffs are set up. And the Pacific, talk about goaltending, that's fine. So Vegas, you know, they've got injuries all over the place in that right now, but even when they don't, you're talking about Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Um, Seattle, you're talking Grubauer, Martin Jones. L.A., you're talking Phoenix Copley and Jonathan Quick. Like oh, Edmonton might not have the best goaltending. It sure doesn't have the worst in the Pacific. No kidding. So um, I, I think there's a real opportunity for them to win a round, win probably two rounds um, if, they, if they do make some moves here. Then you're in the conference final again, and, and that's where they were last year against Colorado. They weren't anywhere close to the Avalanche last year. I mean, Colorado spanked them, and, and they lost four games all playoffs. They won the Cup, so so be it. But – you know, again, whether it's a business side of things of winning a couple playoff rounds, what that means to a team, uh, obviously the, the hockey side of it, you're putting yourself in a position to, to play to go to a cup final. Um, and there's no guarantee that, that Colorado gets out of the, uh, the central either. So, yeah, I don't know. My, my view on it is, is chips in um, and go for it. Amen. And I think that's what Dubas did. That's what Julian Brisebois did. And that's what Ken Holland should do. Remains to be seen if he ultimately will. Three o'clock, the trade deadline on TSN. Mike, thank you as always for doing this. Great to have you on the show. Let's do it again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. You too, Mikey. You Take much. care, pal. Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. Yeah, man. In Edmonton. And we'll talk to Dustin Nielsen from TSN Radio in Edmonton tomorrow morning on the show. They must be freaking out. Freaking out. And maybe their Ken Holland's approach, the GM there, his approach might work, right? Wait, wait, wait. And you might be able to pick up a couple pieces at a reduced price. Or maybe you missed out on all the pieces. Like, wouldn't Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty make a lot of sense for the Oilers? Well, it's, exactly just, like, it's it? just like CJ when we talked about him earlier today. It's just like... They are in such a bad cap situation that they're just trying to get out of it, but Toronto didn't have any great cap flexibility. Tampa didn't have any great cap flexibility. Boston didn't have any great cap flexibility, but they're all finding ways to make deals happen. It's your job as a GM and your job as your capologist, whatever you want to call them, to find a way to make it happen. And Mike Kelly said it best. You put Jacob Chikrin in that lineup? Not, you're not just doing it this year. You're doing it for the next two years because he's under contract for the next two years. 
So who cares what it costs to get them? Go out and get them because it makes your team better now. Yeah, better you want to go out and get future. you want to go out and get Ekholm, a guy that's going to be more difficult to get because he makes more, and is going to be coming with a four-year contract instead of a two-year contract. Like, come on, it's very confusing. Uh, maybe we'll figure out some stuff tomorrow ahead of the and, and everything the and everything I said about Darnell Nurse, like. Go improve your defense. I think the first conversation you'd be having with your fans is go out and get Darnell Nurse to just play better. <laughs> Snap at Honestly. Darnell. Yeah. Because no, he's a way better player than what he's playing. But if he's being asked to do everything on defense, then you wonder why he's not really playing like himself. Go out and get him help. Mike Rupp coming up in 40 minutes. We'll continue this conversation with Rupper, also from the NHL Network, and Chuck Swirsky, get out the salami and cheese, mama. This segment is over. He's up in about nice. uh, <laughs> 20 minutes time. Uh, hour three. First Mike drop. Continues. Pretty good. Pretty good.